Hey, 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 it's Rowan, the boat, and Arch. Yes! We're here. We are. Back again for another TV podcast. Oh, where it's would a, you be? Where would you be? I mean, it's a place to be. Yes. Um, Chris, we've got a great show today. Oh, it's a absolute ripper. It's so good. Um, guys, you're in for a treat. Uh, we have scored uh, an interview with uh, Kyle Yates. At Kyle NFL on Twitter. Uh, he's a co-host of the Fantasy Pros podcast, Fantasy Pros, full-time analyst, writer, rank ever, does some fitness in his spare time, uh, chairman of the Colcomet <laughs> fan club. He'll... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might, you'll, you'll hear more on that later. He might dispute that. Um, <laughs> but, oh, man, it's so good. He is just... Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Mm. Way more than we would ever be able to... No. Um, and that's why we need people like him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, really, what are we? We're just here for the ride. Yeah. Fantasy ride. And we're just lucky that we get to chat with guys like this for your benefit. Yes. Um, so, guys, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook. And let's be honest, for my benefit. <laughs> yeah, it's for ours. That's right. We're just doing this for yeah. our own uh, After time, I wish you weren't in the room so you don't hear the same things. <laughs> I but anyway, go no, on. That's right. Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, at the TFL podcast. Um, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. What's been happening, Chris? Uh, look, we're we're back at work. We are back at work. We are face to face teaching. We are face to face. We are teaching. eight days without a coronavirus case in our state. It's pretty nice. So we're at, we we're in a good, good we're, look. Space, we're very lucky. We? There's some really crazy things going on oh. in the rest of the world. Um, so here in Australia, we are just blessed to know that uh, we've. Yeah, we're going to come out of it pretty well. Uh, so thoughts with everyone else, though, who's yeah. uh, dealing with it a little bit more roughly than us. Uh, yeah, like you said, we're back at school. We're, we're back teaching. Um, yeah, it's uh, the draft's just gone. Oh, how good was it? That was a great draft. Uh, I didn't actually feel that it lost anything being no. in Roger's basement. Like, it was even more hilarious. I mean, <laughs> by the end of day two, the slouching and the uh, <laughs> probably didn't need to see that much of his package, to be honest. Nah, but, Chris. <laughs> like, no. it, was, it was great. Like no. it. It, it almost good. like it just cut out all the fluff that we don't need. And, That's true. And I kind of, I just really liked it. I still felt like the night one went for a long time. Um, but look, one of the things I loved was that uh, they couldn't even find 12 Chargers fans no. to put, to put <laughs> in great. the background yep. while he was reading them out. Uh, and and I, I was like, like, what's going on at Vrabel's house as well in the background? There some was some like, strange <laughs> units going on there. Um, but no, the NFL draft is great. And we're going to talk the fallout for fantasy um, of that draft mm. with Kyle. Um, he's got some awesome insights. He's done the study. He's so put the much more in. work than us. Oh man, but he's getting paid for it. <laughs> yes, you know we're, we're we're teaching, so you know that's that's our excuse. Um, <laughs> and if anything, we're just lucky that we get to uh, have a chat with him. Mm. Um, we'll cover some of the big surprises in uh, that interview, and particularly talk through some of like the top positional players that you should be targeting, not only um, in your dynasty leagues if you're doing dynasty at the moment, uh, but also talking about redraft and who's going to make an impact this year. Mm. Um, but before we get into that, well, let's talk some transactions. How about we do something like this? Good to see you. I'm on always the- slow on that first <laughs> drop. Like uh, uh, you need to be on that a little yeah. bit quicker. I mean, look, we're not professionals here, so oh, I'd like to think I am. No, I mean, that's yes, we are. We are really <laughs> professional. No, uh, yes. Transactions, OJ Howard, uh, Tampa Bay. I need uh, a cha-ching sound. What do I always think of what sound effects I need mid-show? Um, that's a good question. Uh, anyway, again, cha-ching. Uh, OJ <laughs> yes. Howard has uh, picked up his uh, fifth-year option at Tampa Bay. Why? Um, Why has he done that? Well, because look, he's- Gronkowski is there now. Yeah, but how long's Gronk going to be there? Probably a year. Um, but it's in the, in the same sort of- even more in Bizarro World is David Njoku's fifth-year option taken up by the I Browns as well. Austin Hooper's just coming yeah, to play the role. In big money and has age on his side as well. So Is it just because the, the Browns want to have some trade bait? That's all I can think of, but um, Brown's going to brown. Um, <laughs> That's for you, Jonesy. <laughs> yeah. uh, San Fran uh, some, has some, traded out some vets. Yeah, they did good here. They, they, I mean, these guys were cut candidates and they managed to get a little something for them. Yeah, so that's right. they just moved up uh, the the draft board to get rid of- uh, Marquis Goodwin. Goodwin to Philly. Just Which, so- like, as a Philly fan, I don't mind it. Yeah, you need 50 receivers on that roster. <laughs> and so- we just need someone who could run fast and actually catch the ball. Yeah, and then Breeder off to Miami for a fifth round pick like that. Yeah, that's a good win for I think both teams. Yep. Miami need that change of pace back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Breeder and Howard are going to be 
pretty good this year, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about that with, with Kyle coming up. Um, no, no new rookies going into Miami, so. No, that's right. Trent Williams uh, finally leaves the Redskins. Oh, I'm just glad. Like, it's no longer a story now. Unless he holds out in San Fran. Oh, man, that would be something else. Uh, but they get a 2025th and a 2021 oh, third. That's nothing for that level of talent. Like, for sure. He's going to be again. It's the headache, isn't it? That's so. right. Uh, in- interestingly enough, in New Orleans, um, both, well, two quarterbacks of interest, uh, Winston. James Winston has mm. gone to New Orleans. I love this. One year, $1.1 million contract. He's not getting paid anywhere near what he was getting paid before. Nope. Um, but he's gone to the Harvard University of all um, all the teams in the NFL. Wow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> he's going to learn a lot. He's yes. going to learn a lot. Yeah, no, no. Sitting behind Brace for a year, learning under Sean Payton. The dream position. Great. Um, and, and guess what? He can now see number plates. He can <laughs> see number plates. This is look, which is great news. Um, that's, that's right. <laughs> Got his eye surgery done, and now he can see um, and read number plates. But, yeah, I like this because um, he, uh, apparently he turned down bigger offers elsewhere. Um, yeah, which, that's right. And it just shows a bit of bit of maturity in that he's valuing his long term prospects, and that gives me a bit of hope that he actually could do something if he has a year of just working out some kinks. Yeah. Um, learning from, uh, you know, absolute pros, um, he could just slot into a very high-powered offense yeah. uh, in 2021 and and really uh, be huge. Yeah, I agree. Like, look, if you're a if you're a dynasty player and you're trying to just have some of those people on your bench where you could look at them not for this year but for for next year. Oh, Winston mm. is very tasty. Um, Taysom Hill. Uh, speaking of New Orleans quarterbacks, yep. the, the guy that can do everything. He's such a unique player. I love. He's the one guy that I love so much, but would never own in fantasy. Mm. Um, oh, no, well, how could you? No, you couldn't because <laughs> he but, comes in for three plays. I know, but you know when he's on the field, something mm. is going to happen. Has less completions to Saints players than James Winston. <laughs> yeah. <or. laughs> Do you see that? I have seen that. Uh, all those Seven to ten, apparently. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, Taysom Hill's got a two-year extension, a $10.6 million. A lot of money. So much money. The Saints must love what he does. Yeah. And they but must he not still be thinks he's he, going to be a quarterback, though. Does he think that? I think he, he keeps saying he wants to be a starting quarterback. Well, look, it'd be really interesting to see what happens if Breeze gets injured. What would they go to? Well, they went to Bridgewater last year. Exactly. Um, They're not going to go to Taysom. They're going to go to James Winston. Yeah. Well, look, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but either way, that's a lot of money for yep. a backup quarterback, um, really, who does a lot more than just backup quarterback. So uh, I love watching Taysom Hill on the field, and I'm glad he's going to keep being there. Mm. Um, running back, Corey Clement uh, picked up. Uh, he's back on the Eagles with a one-year deal. Um, apparently, the Eagles are considering also signing a, a veteran RB. So they got Sanders, but aside from that, really it goes down to Boston Scott yep. uh, and a couple of other guys that are really, and well, are now Clement, but they're they love not, a committee there, don't they? They do. Um, but that none of those are big hitters. So but there's some good free agents out there. Yeah. You got Devonta Freeman, you've got LaShawn McCoy, you've got Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller's out there as well after missing all of last year though. Yep. Who do you like, Chris? Is there someone there that could go to um, Philly? Um, you know, probably Hyde or Freeman for mine uh, uh, probably could be good fits and I guess showed, I guess Freeman didn't show much last year, was, you know, yeah. dinged up a little bit, but I think Hyde had a pretty good season. He did, solid um, for the Texans after Miller went down. But yeah, it would be interesting to see if they do go down that, that yeah. route. So. Look, I, look, for me as a Philly fan, I'd love a, just a big hard hitter. So someone like Hyde I think as well would be. Should have selected, maybe they could have selected one in the second round of the draft, Ron. Yeah, look, they could have. Who did they select in the second round, Ron? Uh, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> How do you feel about that? We didn't uh, get to that with Kyle. No, we didn't get to that with Kyle. Um, <laughs> I was hiding my shame. Uh, no, Jalen Hurts, look, as he's a great quarterback and I don't know why we drafted him because Carson Wentz is also a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yes, Carson Wentz has been injured a lot, but that's not been anything chronic. It's just been unlucky um, things, but I guess sometimes but when- without a good quarterback, you don't win a Super Bowl. No, Nick Foles came in and did fairly well, so I'm not complaining about a good backup because um, that's how we won a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts, I don't know. Apparently, they say he they want to use him a little bit like Taysom Hill, put him in there for some running plays and some 
some trick throws and whatever. Um, so, look, if they're going to do that with him, sure, make it work. Yeah, I think Hertz is a better quarterback than that, though. Yeah, 100%. I can either say, like, I would imagine that in a couple of years they're going to either trade Hertz yep. or Wentz. Look, who knows if that's going to happen. Um, something else that, that came out on the news uh, today as I was reading through NFL.com, uh, Steelers GM Kevin Colbert. Uh, says they're happy with Rudolph as a backup quarterback. <laughs> How the hell can you be happy with Rudolph as your backup quarterback? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. atrocious. Yeah. He was so, so bad. Big Ben is coming back this year. And if if he gets injured again, yes. if they're not picking up the phone and calling someone like Cam Newton and saying, please come, we don't want Rudolph on the field, you know, I, I, I'll be gobsmacked. Yep. That that if that did not happen because Rudolph was oh just if you're a Steelers fan um, didn't look like a good guy. No, just, there was some incidents like that happened on film that I'm like I don't think this guy's right for the for being a you know role model quarterback mm. in, the, in the NFL. <laughs> uh, not a guy that I think. But what other options are they going to do? They have out uh, there. Yeah, look, it's Cam Newton or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there's not much else uh, unless they orchestrate some sort of trade. Yep, um, which could happen. Which could happen. But uh, Kevin Colbert, you're kidding. No one. Well, Chris, mm. it's time to call Carl Yates and see if he's going to jump on the pod with us. We already did. Oh, we did? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Excellent. Right. It's already happened. I know it's happening. Yep. All right. So it's all about the transition here. here we I go. stuffed it up last time. So you tell me when we're transitioning to to the interview. Stay tuned, guys, for this great interview with Carl Yates. All right, guys, we have a very special guest uh, with us today. Uh, we are super, super lucky to have Carl Yates. He is uh, a co-host of the Fantasy Pros podcast, which you should definitely check out. Uh, he is a full-time analyst at Fantasy Pros, a writer, a ranker, uh, a pretty much go-to guy for a lot of things, especially around the draft. Uh, he has just put so much research and analysis into that, and we are just super lucky to have him on the podcast with us today. Carl, welcome. Thanks so much, guys. Super happy to be here. Uh, we were talking before the show. We've obviously got a time difference change here, so <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know your lifestyle there, but you may be you may be into a beer, you know, sitting there at, at yeah, towards the end of your right. night. I'm I'm halfway through my first cup of coffee, man. So uh, <laughs> I need to wake up a little bit here, but super happy to come on and talk some football with you guys. How did you know that we were into our, our beer for the night? <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. I think we are sitting at eight thirty p.m. at our time. Yes. Yeah. And we really appreciate you getting yeah. up early for <laughs> yeah, us. That's right. <laughs> um, Kyle, the draft just happened. It was uh, a pretty awesome uh, three days. Uh, what did those three days look like for you? Oh man. Um, so this was my first year covering the draft full time. So last year, you know, it was kind of I've, I've been a, a draft fan for the past several years now. So, you know, like last year it was you know, first night of the draft, I'm sitting down, I'm watching. And, um, well, obviously I'm a bears fan. So like the bears didn't make a pick last year in the first round either. So it's kind of, uh, you know, kind of lackluster, <laughs> but of course, loving every minute of it. So, um, this year was a whole new, a whole new world, really a uh, different animal. There is trying to figure out how to navigate it full time. I'm responsible for articles after the draft, but then we did a live stream the first round of the draft we had over 83,000 views on wow. YouTube on this live stream, which was crazy. So, um, you know, we were four and a half hours, just wow. Mike Taglier and I talking. <laughs> uh, I was exhausted by the end of it. I can't <laughs> even remember the last, I can't even remember like the last half hour of it. I think I blacked out, but, um, <laughs> so it finishes no, pretty man. light there as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, a fun time though. Um, and then the days two and three of the draft were, you know, spent uh, writing articles off of it as yep. well. So um, definitely uh, an animal, a beast uh, to cover yeah. full time, but absolutely loved it. I, um, I jumped on Twitter um, on day two and uh, yeah, I think you were doing a live stream there and I, I got to uh, in, you know, I guess in person, just see the the mental breakdown of the bears picking the tight end of your dreams. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> that was, uh, that was the worst, man. I think I just had, I had Cole Komet rated so low. So then for us to draft him, I was like, yeah, of course this would just happen. Right. Um, 
I've lost all my my notes. Um, I guess one thing that I was really don't interested admit in, that, Chris. Don't admit oh, that. Yeah, the more you listen to me, the realise how much <laughs> I, I, I'm holding us back. Um, so one thing I, I I've I was interested from I think you you released your rookie rankings, uh, your big board um, recently over the last couple of days is uh, your player evaluation process and how you've got a, a few different uh, I guess categories that you're sort of go into to, I guess, come into uh, those rankings. Are you able to talk us through, um, I guess, what you're looking at in when you're coming to, you know, to putting the, these uh, rankings together? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So last year was the first year that I had a very like structured system. Um, the previous years that had just been kind of like looking and watching some games here or there and just saying like, yeah, I like this player. Yeah, I don't. Um, last year was very, very structured. So it began in May or June where I would sit down and I would watch probably around two games of each of these incoming prospects, these guys who are going to be draft eligible. And so I'd watch through them and add them into my database and just kind of get a sense of who they are as a player. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the college football season, I'd be paying attention, but of course the NFL season is going on. So you have a ton to pay attention to there. Yeah. So, um, but as soon as the college football season ended is where I turned my attention back towards, um, you know, scouting these prospects. And so sitting down, watching three games tape of min, uh, minimum yep. on each of these prospects is my first uh, evaluation phase. And that's my tape evaluation. So I'm sitting down and I'm grading them, assigning a numerical grade based on eight characteristics or traits. And so from there, uh, assigning them an overall grade. And I do that for as many prospects as I can get to. Um, I think over this, on the both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, on this past draft class, I watched around 140 prospects and watched over 530 (laughs) games of film total. Um, guys, I can't tell you how many times I watched the freaking Alabama and LSU game. I know I can walk you play by play of what, uh, what happened in that game. So you're just one player at a time each time you watch a game. Yep. Yeah, correct. Cause it's, it's very difficult to try to watch like the LSU offense with how many guys are draft eligible yeah. and actually like pay attention to each specific player. Yeah, in that. For sure. Um, so then the next phase is combine and injury rating from there. I'm assigning them, uh, after the combine, I'm assigning them a numerical grade based on weight adjusted spark, yep. uh, which Hayden winks over at Roto world puts out and uh, injury rating, you know, assigning a numerical grade there. If they've got significant injury concerns, they're going to drop down my draft board. Yeah, for sure. And then finally landing spot, uh, is assigning them a weighted grade there, just dependent upon you know their landing spot. So Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I'm sure we're going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, he got a full yeah he got a full uh, full maxed out there grade there. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, yeah, that's kind of the process. Those go all go together to assign my uh, to finish out my overall big board. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. yeah, that's kind of my process. That's I'm just glad you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> I like, I wish I had time to sit down and watch lots and lots of hours of football, but uh, sadly I don't. My wife thinks I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but right. yeah. Uh, so on that, what team do you think actually won the draft from a fantasy fantasy pers- perspective? Obviously, we're talking about offensive players exclusively. What team did the best in your eyes? Uh, it's got to be Green Bay, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll no, talk about I that. think uh, Indianapolis is the team that immediately comes to mind, yep. right? Where they they walk out of the second round with guys like Jonathan Taylor and Michael yeah. Pittman. Mm-hmm. And Pittman was rated very highly on my board, wide receiver out of USC. He fits a mold there that they didn't have in that wide receiving core. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had guys like T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Zach Pascal. Like these are just not guys that are going to be difference makers or be the ones who are able to be a red zone threat, go up and high point the ball. Pittman brings that to the table. Mm. He's a player who reminds me of a Cortland Sutton coming out, right? Like this is just, I think the type of impact. Yeah. I think this is the type of impact that he can make. And then of course, Jonathan Taylor running behind that offensive line in Indianapolis is going to be a dream for Mm. fantasy football. I think he's going to take over that main role. I think Marlon Mack is going to take a little bit, you know, he's, uh, he's going to take a hit. Of course, you yeah, don't draft yeah. a running back in the second round and then don't use him. That's so, right. um, yeah, I think, uh, Jonathan Taylor, man, that, uh, behind that offensive line, he's going to be a stud. So I think Indianapolis from a fantasy perspective, definitely walked out a lot stronger than they walked in. For sure. Now we've got obviously dynasty, uh, startup drafts are happening and mock, uh, sorry, and rookie drafts, uh, are, pretty much underway as well now because of uh, the NFL drafts finished. You've got Jonathan Taylor as you, as your one one the top rookie of the whole class. Um, was he there before he landed at Indiana? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's where he was. So um, pre-draft my running back rankings looked like Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift and JK Dobbins, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Edwards Hilaire. I had a bit, I had him down my draft board a little bit because he received a low pass protection grade. It's just not his strong suit. But when he's landing in Kansas city, he's not going to be asked to pass protect, right? You know, (laughs) if he was landing in Tampa Bay, he was going to be asked to pass protect a ton. And that was just going to be a nightmare scenario. (laughs) But in Kansas city, he goes, you know, he's just going to ask to be running routes out of the backfield. So perfect spot um, for him really. It's an absolutely perfect spot for him. So he received, like I said, he received a max grade for me, but because he was a little bit further down my draft board because of that low pass protection grade, he doesn't shoot up all the way to the one Oh one. I've said this though, that if, if you have Jonathan Taylor, Deandre, you have the one one excuse me, and you want to take Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift or Clyde Edwards Hiller, I have no issues. They're all kind of in that same tier for me. For sure. No, they just, uh, guns. They just yeah. want, you want them on, the, on your team. Uh, speaking of DeAndre Swift, he's come in and carry on Johnson was there. Uh, he still is. Still is there. Uh, <laughs> we just drafted him in a startup. Yeah, we did. A we week did. ago. We did. Just before the draft, we're like, yeah, we'll take carry on. He looks like good value. And then DeAndre Swift rocks up. <laughs> What's, how's that going to play out? Is there going to be any room for carry on in this, in this offense now that Swift's there? Yeah, it's a great question. I definitely think that he's going to still be involved, right? I think that uh, carry on is proven that he's a talented back, however, just has issues staying healthy. Yeah. So I think that this move is more so Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn saying that we need to, we need to win this year to keep our jobs. Right. And so yeah. for if carry on is our main back going into the year and he gets injured again, we're looking at the guys that they've rotated in, right? It's always been LeGarrette Blunt, CJ Anderson, Bo Scarborough, you know, uh, yeah. Ty Johnson, right? Like these guys are not going to be the ones that can carry your offense. So I think carry on will still be involved, but I think he's going to be in more of a pass catching role. He'll be that kind of guy who can come in and split carries. I think I'm projecting more of like a 60 to 40 split with DeAndre Swift taking the lead there. Yeah. I think Swift is more of a complete back than carry on is. And I think that they want to keep the touches on carry on's body a little bit more light to make sure that he can stay healthy for a full season. For sure. He because that's a dynamic, that's a dynamic one, two punch there with yeah, Swift sure. and carry on. Yep. Yeah, definitely. You don't, that's it. And I think with carry on, you don't know necessarily whether they are going to run or pass. Uh, so there's definitely some upside still with him there. I'd mm. say, yeah, PPR, uh, especially, uh, stay healthy. Yeah. Stay healthy. <laughs> but carry on. John's still got some value. I think, uh, anyway, I'm saying that because I, mm. cause I own him. <laughs> um, right. You mentioned Tampa just before Yeah, move that I loved. I loved Keyshawn Vaughn beforehand. I liked, liked his tape. Um, Tampa just seems like a good fit. What are your thoughts? Oh my word. I loved Keyshawn coming into the draft. I had him at one point as my RB four, I did switch him within the tier. So I do, I do this by tiers as well. So you kind of had Deandre Swift and Jonathan Taylor in this tier by themselves. JK Dobbins was kind of landing in that second tier by himself. And then in this this third tier, I had Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Cam Akers and Keyshawn Vaughn all kind of in here. I was like, if you want to switch them around, I don't care. Um, And so I did towards the right before the draft, I did move Clyde Edwards, Hilaire up from six to four. Yeah. And moved Keyshawn to six. So, um, yeah, Keyshawn, I mean, landing in Tampa Bay, this is a dream scenario for him. And it it proves that my evaluation was at least on on point, right? At yeah. least yeah. Um, because there were some people in the industry who didn't like his tape, who weren't a fan of what he brought to the table. I saw an excellent pass catcher and pass protector in the backfield. And so those are two traits that Bruce Arians, you know, greatly desires in yeah. his running back. Well, basically and something. Put, oh, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, that's the same, you know, we saw that with, uh, with, with David Johnson and I'm yeah. not in any way comparing Keyshawn Vaughn to David Johnson from the impact that he had in 2017, right? David Johnson was a league winner, but I think Keyshawn Vaughn in this offense, I put this out on Twitter the other day. I think Keyshawn Vaughn can be a top 24 running back in 2020 for, uh, for fantasy football. I love this landing spot. Do you, do you think that uh, Ronald Jones would, I guess, get that honorary start to the season, uh, or do you think he gets beaten out in camp if there if there is a camp? Right. That's I think that's the big thing with all this is trying to project these rookies forward. Like we have to move forward right now, projecting that there's going to be a normal training camp, that there's going to be these normal systems in place where these guys can actually get onto the field yeah. and can you know get experience with their uh, with that offense, but. I mean, so if that is the case, I do think that Keyshawn Vaughn can beat out uh, Ronald Jones because the thing that we saw 
is that Bruce Arians hand-selected Keyshawn Vaughn. He inherited Ronald Jones. And there were issues last year coming out saying that, you know, we constantly saw Peyton Barber on the field, Mm. which Peyton Barber is not an overly talented (laughs) running back, right? So with with Ronald Jones, I think there were issues in pass protection and and pass catching, right? Those are... Those are two of his like least, um, you know, talented traits. So looking at Keyshawn Vaughn and those are the areas that he succeeds. I think he's going to be the main guy in this offense. Ronald Jones will still be involved. He's not going completely away and receiving zero carries on the season. But I think that from a fantasy perspective, Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be the guy to own in that backfield. Sure. For sure. Um, J.K. Dobbins is probably the other big running back that we really haven't talked about just yet. He moves into Baltimore. That's a dream placement for Dobbins. Uh, how does that work with Ingram? Um, how much of a role is he going to play this year? Do you think? Yeah. So I think Ingram is still going to be the main guy there in that backfield. I think Dobbins will work in, and we've seen this with Baltimore and just how many times that they run the ball. Like I think if they yeah. were given the opportunity, they would never pass the ball. Um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, you're the more running backs that you can have in that system, the better. And so they, they go out and they get an extremely talented running back in JK Dobbins. I do think Ingram is still going to be involved, like I said, but I think that Dobbins is going to be this guy who kind of comes in, sees around like 130 carries in year one, but then year two is, is the part that we could see Dobbins truly take off. Mark Ingram has a potential out in his contract next year for $1.3 million in dead cap. So you're looking at Dobbins and saying that man, 2021, I've said this on the podcast on our, uh, the fantasy pros podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about JK Dobbins as the RB one in all of fantasy football in two to three years time. Wow. That's a big call, (laughs) but I totally understand it. He's the future. Um, Um, Go. (laughs) um, Two other guys that come up and particularly in thinking about like, who's going to take the key role, uh, Akers and Moss. Um, Akers is there. I'm unsure really about what it's going to look like with Henderson Brown um, as well. Like what, what's your take on that position? Yeah, I'm really in kind of the same boat that you are. I am very just unsure of what this is going to look like practically. Right. And so the best thing that we can do at this point is project forward and project kind of what we're thinking. And then of course, stay fluid and adjust once we get, you know, we, when we actually see it on the field or when we get some more clarity from the coaching staff and how they plan to utilize these guys. When I was scouting Cam Akers coming out, I wasn't I wasn't impressed with his vision between the tackles. And a lot of people can say that this is due to his offensive line, which, you know, his offensive line was atrocious, of course, but I saw very poor decision-making from a vision perspective, um, especially when you put on the all 22. So I think that looking at Cam Akers, I was saying that he is more of an athlete than anything else. I don't think he's more of the, I don't think he's necessarily a super refined running back prospect. And so when I was looking at Cam Akers, the thought that kept coming to my mind was like, I see this guy in a Naheem Hines kind of role where a kind of a souped up Naheem Hines. Yeah, and okay. when we watched Naheem Hines at NC state, he was carrying the ball over 200 times, but he gets to the NFL and he suddenly moved into this pass catching role, <laughs> which he's excelled at. I think that he could definitely see even more work than he's received to this point in his career. So with Cam Akers, I saw him more as a guy who you want to get out in space and let him create in the open field because when he sees some open field, he's gone. Like he just has that tackle breaking ability in the open field, the burst agility and top end speed to truly take off. And so I'm projecting forward that Daryl Henderson is still going to be this guy who carries the ball in between the tackles because Henderson's skill set doesn't necessarily equate to a top end pass catching back either. I think he can do it, but he's just not a top end. So I think that that's kind of, what makes sense as far as projecting this forward, but you're still talking about an atrocious offensive line here in Los Angeles that they really, really needed to address rather than take another running back in the second round. Um, So I don't like, I don't like the Rams drafting strategy whatsoever, but I think that that is the role here for cam Akers that I think makes sense. And if I am projecting that, Practically how it looks out. I had, I did snap projections earlier this week and it looked like Cam Akers landing around the RB 30 in 2020. So I think right. there's, there's still going to be value for him in this offense in that role. For sure. Yeah. LA man, long, long gone is that dream of hitting that Super Bowl run with that offensive line. Oh, it's yeah. uh, it's a bit ugly. Um, just before we move on to some wide receivers, who's your under the radar guy for, for running backs? Who, who's someone that you think will surprise people and jump out? 
uh, and uh, get noticed. Who's my late third, fourth round rookie yeah, that's draft right. pick, basically? Oh, right, right. <laughs> well, I'm in uh, I'm in a dynasty rookie draft too right now, and I'm going like, okay, who's the guy that I want to <laughs> take at the back of the third? Um, I think the guy that you need to be paying attention to is Josh Kelly, uh, running back out of UCLA, lands in Los Angeles mm-hmm. with the Chargers. Uh, he's now walking into, I don't think he's going to necessarily fully assume the Melvin Gordon role from years past, but, uh, or the Melvin Gordon workload, excuse me, but he yeah. is going to take that role. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, he was someone who I came away actually really impressed with on tape. I had him around my RB nine and that's actually around the, the range that he went off the board. Um, player that I really liked running between the tackles showed great contact balance, uh, vision and burst. So I think that he's going to be the guy who can carry the ball you know, 200 times uh, in between the tackles, that's going to equate to some fantasy value, especially with Tyrod Taylor there as a starter until Justin Herbert comes in. Cause we've seen the effect that a running and mobile quarterback can have on running backs for fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So um, just because defenses now have to respect both. So yeah, man, I think Josh Kelly is going to be an incredible value and the, the places where you can get him are the back of the third, sometimes even the start of the fourth round, just people were not, talking about this guy coming into the draft and him going in the fourth round is actually higher than I even thought he was going to. So chargers really like him. I think Justin Jackson goes away and I think Josh Kelly is going to assume a a big workload here. Well, I love that because we have picked up Eckler in our dynasty league. And so for having Josh Kelly there, especially as a bit of insurance, I think it's a, uh, would be a nice uh, get wide receivers. Um, there were some amazing wide receivers taken in that first round uh, of the draft. Who did you love? Who was like the position? Uh, who was the guy that landed in the best position for you? Yeah. Yeah. In this first round specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, Henry Ruggs at 12 was a bit of a surprise. I love Henry Ruggs, the prospect. Um, I I was probably one of the higher people in the consent, uh, in the industry on him. So, uh, him landing in this spot, it's definitely the first round and him going at 12 was very puzzling because you're trying to figure out where does he play? Um, but when you take an overall step back and you look at the overall puzzle, seeing Brian Edwards drafted in the third round too mm-hmm. makes a little bit more sense for this overall wide receiving core. And I had to think that they had Brian Edwards in mind the entire time. Yep. So, um, Brian Edwards, you know, taking that X starting X receiver role, and then Henry Ruggs, I think taking the Tyrell Williams role makes uh, a lot of sense. So, but the guy that was rated the highest on my board was Jerry Judy. And yeah, uh, okay. so him landing in Denver, I think that it's now just a question of, I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be great for Drew Locke. I don't know how many targets are going to go around yep. for Jerry Judy to hit his true ceiling if he had landed somewhere else. Um, so that's the main question. That's the main question with Jerry Judy, uh, in Denver specifically, but otherwise, man, CD lamb, CD lamb in oh, Dallas man. was the big <laughs> landing spot. How'd where you feel about that? I, look, I was, I'm an Eagles fan. And so seeing him come <laughs> off the board at that moment, oh, it was devastating. Oh man. I was, yeah. And then they picked up, uh, Jalen Rager, which I hadn't really looked into too much. And so I was, I was, I was a little bit on, of all sorts. I was in all sorts, but, uh, look, yeah, it was, it was, look, it was I'm, definitely a surprise. I'm coming around ahead, on Jalen. I'm coming around on Jalen Rager, but uh, <laughs> CD Lamb would have been amazing. What's your yeah? That's that's a three pronged offense uh, that is scary as heck in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas this year. I mean, if they take if they take forward what they did last year as far as passing totals, I think they threw the ball around like 600 times last year. So that's beautiful for fantasy yeah. football. I don't know if that's going to happen with Mike McCarthy there. Um, but if it does, I mean, CD lamb, my big concerns with him were his, his lack of seeing press coverage in the big 12. And when he did see press coverage, he wasn't doing any sort of like releases. If you watch back through his tape, you'll see that he only runs releases on run plays, which is super, super interesting. So Mm. I had a ton of concerns about CD lamb and his ability to beat press coverage consistently at the next level. And, you know, his explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. His top end route running just wasn't in the same class as Jerry Judy. But then of course, what CD Lamb brings to the table is incredible contested catchability, the best hands in the entire class. So, you know, all those concerns about him facing press coverage, if he plays the slot, he's not going to see that, right? The slot receiver doesn't line up on the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a beautiful fit for how they're going to utilize him. I think it's one of the only offenses in the first round that could afford to put CD Lamb there in the (laughs) slot. And uh, so I think it's going to equate to a ton of fantasy value. 
No, while, while we're talking about our own teams and how you're disappointed with Philly, I, <laughs> I've, I'm a Vikings fan and I love the uh, the Jefferson pick. Uh, I was going, why didn't you not pick Jefferson? <laughs> yes. uh, so uh, Jefferson, is he a good digs replacement? Yeah, he's a perfect plug and play. Yeah. Uh, Jefferson was my wide receiver three in this class coming into it, even above <laughs> CD lamb. So um, Jefferson from a route running perspective, he just, he's a plug and play, right? He's just a, you know, drop him right into the digs role mm-hmm. and he's going to succeed. I think it's just a question of, can he play on the outside? Uh, because we only, we only saw him line up in the slot. I think yeah, okay. uh, PFF only had him at like five outside snaps overall yeah, right. all last season. Right. So, um, that's a question mark, but especially with how much the Vikings are going to run 12 personnel. So, you know, you have to worry about that. You have to wonder about it, but I think Jefferson's top end speed at the 40 yard dash, the combine kind of put those you know concerns to rest that, you know, can he play on the outside with that speed? Yeah, I think he can. So Jefferson in this offense is going to be a beautiful fit. And you're talking about if Adam Thielen continues struggling with his injury concerns. Yeah. Jefferson after a long from that. a fantasy perspective <laughs> is going to be a beautiful fit. That's so true. One that's not on this list that the since I've uh, did our run shit, I've been thinking a lot about is Denzel Mims in in Jets. So I don't like the idea of a good player being in the Jets. Like it's just not my brain doesn't <laughs> sort of compute, compute with that. But I can't see anyone else challenging him for a, a big share of those targets. That's the whole argument with Denzel Mims is that for 2020 specifically. I mean, you're going to have Jamison Crowder there be the main guy in that wide receiver room to command targets. That's just how the slot off uh, slot receiver works in Adam Gase's offense. So I think he's going to lead the team. But outside of that, like, are you telling me that you're comfortable with Brashad Perryman, Quincy and Noonwad? <laughs> like, I think Josh Doxson's there too. Like, you know, are you comfortable with those three wide receivers to take away significant targets away from, uh, from Denzel Mims? So mm. I think Mims was a little bit more raw coming into the, the, uh, Coming into the draft, I had him kind of around that late second round range. So for him to go there was kind of like, okay, I, I never saw, I never bought into the first round hype with Mims, but um, him landing in New York, they needed a wide receiver badly. Mm-hmm. Now it's just the question of, do you trust Adam Gase? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's, uh, I think, I don't know if I do. I don't know if I could ever trust Adam Gase. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Now you got to help me out with Jalen Rager. I know I'm going back to Jalen Rager, and that's probably you know just selfish of this me. Is therapy is therapy. Help help me out, uh, Yatesy. Uh, Yatesy. Why why is Jalen Rager good? Why is he good? Well, I mean, he's you have to start off with talking about his top end speed, and for him to he's a uh, he's an electric playmaker, right? Like that's yeah. I think the classification that you need to use with Jalen Rager is that he's an electric playmaker kind of in the role of what we saw Percy Harvin be in the NFL for a long time. I think he's a little bit more refined than Percy Harvin from the perspective of Jalen Rager can go up and, and make some contested catches. Uh, he dealt with atrocious quarterback play at TCU. It was like third worst in terms of uh, catchable oh, it was passes. Ter- wasn't it? it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible, man. So I think that, you know, that's kind of the classification that you have to bring into it and the yeah. context, excuse me, that you have to bring into it was that Jalen Rager was playing with some terrible quarterback play, which truly hurt his upside. So, mm. you know, I think Jalen Rager in this offense, I'm trying to figure out where he plays, right? That's the whole thing is like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out, is he the Deshaun Jackson replacement eventually? But then they turn around, they draft or and and trade for Marquise Goodwin, who yeah. fits that Deshaun Jackson role. Then they draft John Hightower, who fits that role and Quez Watkins, like, these are all guys that kind of fit that same role. So unless you're going to be using Jalen Rager in the slot to begin his career, which I think he can do. Um, I think that it's just now more of a question of like, okay, where does he truly play? And what's your offensive philosophy? Is Alshon Jeffrey still going to be there next year? Is Deshaun Jackson still going to be there next year, which I'm projecting that they're both going to be. So I don't necessarily have huge hopes for Jalen Rager in a year one impact just because I think that the yeah. the Eagles are going to continue to run a lot of 12 personnel with their tight ends of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. So there's a ton of questions as to where exactly he plays, but as far as the player himself, he's an electric playmaker. He's someone who you just get the ball in his hands and let yeah. him create. And uh, he's going to be fun to watch in Philly. That's for sure. Well, look, I, as long as he can uh, stay healthy and catch a ball, uh, that's an improvement uh, in my mind. <laughs> right. So uh, look, you're talking him up a lot and I like it. Um, who's an under the radar guy that you think will surprise people at the wide receiver position? 
I think we have to, this was a guy who I was talking about coming into the draft. I had him rated as my wide receiver nine overall. And which was, I think the highest across the industry. That's Devin Duvernay wide receiver out of Texas Yeah, okay. lands in Baltimore. And uh, man, you talk about a, a beautiful fit for an offense. I think that projecting uh, Baltimore's wide receiver core, you're talking about Marquise Brown on one side, on the outside. Then you have Miles Boykin taking that step forward to be yep. the other starting outside receiver. And then Devin Duvernay filling the Willie Sneed role. Mm-hmm. And what Devin Duvernay does really, really well is he has some of the best hands in this entire class. Yeah, cool. Um, he, of course, brings track speed, which he ran a 4.39 at the combine. And then... Um, and then he's an excellent route runner. This is a guy that I just came away really, really impressed with on tape. And I saw him as kind of this blender type between, uh, you know, as far as a comparison between Golden Tate and Debo Samuel, right? Golden Tate caught everything and was a, an amazing rack guy um, at the beginning part of his career. And then Debo Samuel turns into a running back with his, uh, with the ball in his hands, yeah. which is what De- Duvernay does. So, yeah. you know, I think that he fits this Baltimore offense really, really well. As far as his overall targets, I have, you know, I'm still trying to flesh that out to see what he is going to look like, but he's someone who I'm looking to walk away from every rookie draft with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen your notes as well. And I do remember watching on the draft, how excited Jim Harbour, John Harbour was uh, getting that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, you got to go watch that reaction video to, (laughs) to, uh, to Harbaugh taking him and, uh, if you if you watch that and don't come away excited for uh, Devin Duvernay's fantasy <laughs> outlook, man, I don't know what you're looking at. No, fair enough. Um, moving on to tight ends, uh, is there anything? <laughs> do we do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't have to because I can't see any rookies that are really going to make an impact, especially no, in redraft. Nothing leagues. exciting, man. Nothing exciting. Uh, Cole Komet, much? No. Um, what what do you? Is, is there anything out there for redraft leagues at all? For redraft, no. I think that, uh, you know, the guys that I was excited about from a fantasy perspective, like if they landed in the right spots were, uh, was primarily Bryson Hopkins, you know, was saying that if Bryson Hopkins can land in a, an offense that has a tight end need then you know, like I was talking about before free agency and Eric Ebron signed, if he landed in Pittsburgh, I was going to be like, okay, this is a guy who I could consider at the, you know, if I yeah. just completely punt the tight end position and redraft, he lands as a third string tight end in an LA. Oh, it's so it's like, okay, yeah, he's not seeing the field. <laughs> nope. Um, so yeah, I think the the main thing with a lot of these tight ends is that they're coming in at, as tight end twos in their offense. And you know, we yeah. just don't see value no. for fantasy football outside of Dallas Goddard, right? Like it's just not something that you truly see in fantasy football. So long-term, the only guy that I'm really, really excited about is Adam Troutman. The saints traded away a ton of assets, essentially the entire rest of their draft to go get Adam Troutman to be the long-term successor there for Jared cook. So I think next year, Adam Troutman could be a guy to watch. Um, But otherwise, man, this tight end position for, Dynasty in general and redraft is <laughs> yeah. not great. Yeah, well, there seems to be a bit of Twitter buzz about Thaddeus Moss, but it's hard to get excited about an undrafted free agent coming in. But I guess there's the the opportunity still there in Washington. Yeah, I mean, so from a tape perspective, I loved Thaddeus Moss, and I've had to go back and and kind of evaluate. Okay, do I, am I scouting the tight end position correctly? Right, this is something that I do every year is to go yep. back and say, looking at draft capital, I hit right where am I missing what the NFL is projecting forward and what the NFL thinks versus what I'm seeing on tape. And so I had Thaddeus Moss rated very, very highly from a tape perspective. So I'm now struggling to go back and go like, okay, what did I miss? What did, what wasn't I seeing? But you look at Washington. I mean, you have uh, Logan Thomas, I think Richard Rogers and Jeremy Sprinkle are your three tight ends above him on that depth chart. I think Thaddeus Moss can be the starting tight end in that offense. However, it's just going to be the question of, (laughs) <laughs> okay, what does that equate to for fantasy? For sure. I'm not super excited about it, but he's someone who I'm keeping an eye on. Yep, fair enough. Quarterbacks, Burrow got taken as the 101. Um, is he fantasy relevant in 2020? Uh, obviously, uh, Dynasty Leagues, you're, you're going, yes, 100%. Uh, redraft, what does he lo- lie for you? Yeah, so I think that, you know, you look at rookie quarterbacks uh, traditionally and historically, and you say that, you know, typically they do not produce for redraft leagues. Right. And typically it's because the quarterbacks that are coming in one, you have, you have a steep learning curve traditionally, Mm -hmm. but then two, like these are the offenses that were not (laughs) the best in the NFL last year. Right. That's why they're picking down. They're putting you know, they're typically down towards the bottom of the draft order for a reason because their offenses suck. Well, you look at Cincinnati's offense, 
man, AJ Green, John Ross, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. I mean, mm-hmm. now T Higgins added into yeah, that equation. Yeah. So it's like Joe Burrow is walking into an amazing situation for fantasy. And I'm always, uh, I've always been of the mindset that a quarterback is, there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL who can supersede their situation, right? I think that Patrick Mahomes is one. I think that even if he didn't have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, like he would still be a phenomenal quarterback, right? Aaron Rodgers is another one. We've seen that traditionally, right? Um, So I think that there are very few, the the rest of them need weapons to be able to succeed. And Mm. so with this offense, he's landing in a a perfect spot for fantasy football, I have him. I would not be surprised if we're talking about Joe Burrow as a top 15 quarterback in fantasy football by, Mm -hmm. you know, next year. So I think that you, you should be taking a look at him at the end of your redraft. Like if you go, you know, no QB until the very last round or whatever, like Joe Burrow should be your pick every time. No, it's fair enough. I like, you're right. That list of, uh, of, of weapons that it's unheard of. It's crazy for a first year quarterback to come into that. Two other uh, quarterbacks got taken in that first uh, handful of picks, Herbert and Tua. Are they going to be people that are worked in and won't be starters until a little way into the season? Or do you think any, or do you think they'll walk up into the starting role? No, I think you nailed it with the first part there. I, I'm projecting that these guys aren't going to start. I think the ideal situation and scenario for Justin Herbert would be that he doesn't see the field at all in year mm. one. I think yep. that he has a tremendous upside, but there, I was not high on him from a tape perspective. Like he's got a lot to work on. So I think for him to sit an entire year would be amazing, would be the best outlook for him. I just don't, you, you never see that happen. I think mean, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is really the only one that has that's happened to yeah, for, for sure. a very long time. So um, and then Tua, it's mostly coming down to an injury concern and injury, you know, just where is he at in that rehab? Um, and again, you know, we talked about it earlier, that training camp portion, if this, that really plays a huge role in Tua's outlook for year yeah. one. So I'm not betting on them from year one production. I think that they're still fine to take in dynasty, you know, rookie drafts, especially in Superflex, right? You can yeah. take them highly, but, um, but I think that I'm kind of just cautioning because you do have guys ahead of them who can start in Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tyrod Taylor. For sure. Would you be comfortable taking Herbert with the 103 in Superflex? No. No, I would not. Um, I do have him down the board a little bit just because yeah. of, again, what I saw on tape. I think that, uh, and especially looking at the guys who are above him, right? Mm-hmm. That means that Burrow and Tua went 101 and 102. Yeah. And so then you're leaving guys like Clyde edwards Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, sure. CD lamb, Jerry Jude, right? Like there, yeah, for <laughs> there's sure. a ton of, there's a ton of depth there where I don't necessarily feel like I, I could take Justin Herbert. Yep. Um, so I think I'm in a, I'm in a dynasty rookie draft right now with a bunch of industry guys. And, um, we didn't see, well, one, we saw Burrow fall to the one Oh four, which yeah, right. I, I pounced on and I got him, <laughs> yeah, nice um, work. <laughs> but then, um, but then Tua went at the 105 and then Herbert went at the 201, I think. So wow. even in a super flex league, yep. people are still a little bit, still a little bit off of Herbert. For sure. Just as we uh, kind of wrap up with you, Kyle, um, it's been great. Um, O-lines is one of those things that sometimes as fantasy players, especially the casual fantasy player, we kind of ignore. Australian. Australian. <laughs> that's right. What is a, an offensive line? No. Um, the, they, the changes that they make in the draft can be huge for running backs and quarterbacks. Um, is there an offensive line upgrade um, that you have seen that you think is really going to make a change in someone's fantasy output this year? Yeah, of course. So I think you have to start the conversation with Miami because Miami's offensive line was like, I what's a worse word than atrocious? Like, you know, it was just so bad <laughs> last year. There are many words. <laughs> yeah, there's so many words that we probably can't say on this podcast. Um, you Correct. know, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, Miami's offensive line needed an upgrade across all, all spots, right? So then they come out and they draft guys like Robert Hunt to play offensive guard, Solomon Kinley in the fourth round. Um, these are guys, and then they got a tackle in the first round who I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'll look it up in a second, but, um, you know, they, they made major upgrades on that offensive line across the board. So it's great news. You know, when when we, when we think about it, you know, we're like, Oh, well, this is great news for Tua specifically. Right. We think, and and of course it is, but the guy who really benefits from this is Jordan Howard. Yeah. You saw Jordan Howard go through the entire draft without the Miami dolphins taking a running back. Yes. They did trade for Matt Breida. But I think that Breed has always been a change of pace back. He's mm-hmm. not going to be a guy who threatens to take away carries. So Jordan Howard is now in a position where we say like, 
Jordan Howard's a top 24 running back for next year because he got yeah. some mean guys up front too. Like you're talking about Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley. Those are two mean guys who can move people. So um, Jordan Howard's always had the talent. It's just been the matter of, can he get the situation and scenario that he can succeed? This is one where he can definitely succeed. Now that's a great pick. Um, and I think Breida and Howard, yeah, are definitely going to both be fantasy relevant in their own way uh, next year. Um, Kyle, we might wrap it, wrap it there. Um, but we are so thankful for you coming on guys, uh, check out fantasy pros, check out, uh, the fantasy pros podcast and check out, um, what else do we need to plug Kyle? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the rookie rankings that you've been put out, what else is coming up from you, Kyle, in the near future? Oh man. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of the 2021 class stuff stuff start to come out. So if you're into that, uh, pay attention to my Twitter at Kyle Y NFL. Um, you'll start to see a lot of that work coming out. Uh, as I get begin diving already into this 2021 class. Um, but otherwise guys, I, I really, really appreciate you having me on. Um, thank you so much for having me and, uh, and adjusting to my schedule. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Love talking football with you guys. No Thanks Kyle. It's uh, been awesome. Thanks. That was awesome. Oh yeah. That was so good. We are so lucky to have uh, been able to get in touch with Kyle. Um, Chris, what's a takeaway for you? Uh, my brain is about to explode. There's so much to I process. I don't know what to process. I, look, I, I just love just hearing the thought process behind each of his decisions. You tell he's passionate. Um, love it. And just the work he's put in to, yeah. to get those, just to get those evaluations down. Big, um, big props. I, I loved how, you know, it must be a good feeling putting all that work and then seeing an NFL team value that player the same way you did. Like, so I think you yeah, had Keyshawn Vaughn really highly. Yes. And then to see Tampa, you know, you know, I think when Bruce Arians drafts a running back, yeah. you're like, sweet. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a so, big tick of affirmation. Yeah. So that was, that was great. What about you, mate? Uh, look, um, I now feel. Okay, with the fact that we took Jalen Rager in the first round yeah. uh, for Philly. Um, well, it's not a disaster. It's not Green Bay disaster. Oh, heck no. We didn't even touch on Green no. Bay. They were so bad. I think they've been talked about enough. Yeah, we don't they? need to touch that. If you want to find out how bad Green Bay were, go just on any <laughs> sports website um, and you'll find out how bad they were. Um, but no, Kyle, thank you so, so much yep. for coming legend. on. Legend, absolute um, legend. So, guys, go hit up his uh, Twitter at Kyle Y NFL. Uh, he's got some awesome stuff uh, to say and some just amazing mm. resources that will just uh, keep you running in can, the dynasty and redraft game. Where can they hit us up uh, on uh, all those we socials? We are at the TFL podcast, the TFL podcast, like I said, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes. Um, so come give us and a follow Patreon. Oh, and, and Patreon if you want to help us get better at what we're doing Patreon is the place to be yes. uh, we'd love to see you be a mate of the pod um, Chris it's been an absolute yep. blast um, we will catch you all next Same. time bye, bye. Hey.